I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing? Doing great. And I'm really excited to be here in this moment right now. That's one of the most important things we've been realizing in the season is living in the moment. Yep. So if you were just tuning into this podcast, it's your very first time, you can find us every single Monday where we're going to kick off a new podcast with an author, a leader, a pastor, somebody who is living for the Lord, essentially yep. making a difference and wanting to encourage you through your headphones, through your earbuds, on your trips, in the air, or maybe you're on foot, who knows, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing that God can meet you where you are, and we want to be joining you in that process. And if you are already following us, we just want to say thank you for rating, for reviewing, for subscribing, and sharing the Young Adults Today podcast, where we want to get information into the hands of young leaders and pastors and people who have a heart for the next generation. So Josiah, I know this person means a lot to you because they've poured into you as the next generation. Do you want to share who is that person, that special person today? Yeah, I'll welcome him and then I'll tell that yeah. story if that's okay. But Ooh. we're joined today by Roger Lane. Roger, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the invite. Of course, we're honored that you said yes. And I, I look back, um, today's my 30th birthday mm-hmm. and I look back at those 30 years so far and I think of the people who've invested in my life, who've influenced me and who've had an impact in a significant way. And Roger was my life coach. He was the executive pastor at Cedar Valley Church where I grew up and then I would spend some time on staff together. And um, wow, it's like, where do you even begin? But Roger, you, uh, we've spent many lunch hours or coffees or breakfasts um, coming up with prayers and planning. Um, I remember just you asking me the question, you know, what would need to happen three years from now in order for you to be happy with yourself? And Mm. we made a list or I guess I made a list, brought it back. And one by one, we prayed about it and worked on them together. And you've been a life coach, a pastor, a mentor in its purest sense. And um, I'll read your bio in a second, but I'll even say one more really personal thing (laughs) is that, um, we were in the dream stages with this idea, this podcast. And we, I felt like it was a God download to Micah and I, like we really think that there's no other podcast about the next generation, about young adult ministry. And you wrote a check that day to buy a laptop so mm-hmm. that the podcast could start. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's and, great. and now we're about 125 episodes in. Right. My, oh my, that's great. And two, you know, two, two and a half years. And so I just want to give honor where honor is due, but Roger has served as a pastor, mm-hmm. development director, consultant, and life coach for over 40 years. He's the author of an amazing book funded, which is a leader's guide to raising money God's way. And so once again, thank you so much for being with us, coach. Hey, it's great to be here. I just was looking back at those years we spent together and uh, uh, Josiah, you were just one hot mess. I mean, you were just every, I mean, it was, I mean, we had to pull the pieces together. So no, I'm kidding, of course, but it was. I give uh, you a run for your money. 
Oh, oh my word, you were a challenge every day. So no, it, it was a great, uh, great run and a great opportunity. And I, 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 I loved you so much, still do, for the reason that you were determined to learn. Yes. And uh, as a coach and a consultant, one of the things you look for is people that will listen. And uh, I don't want to be working with somebody that doesn't listen and waste my time. And you were one of those that I couldn't feed it to you fast enough. You were always asking questions and uh, it was a delight. And then to watch your journey, it's, uh, it's been equally uh, enjoyable to watch all of that happen. So you and Micah together make an amazing team. Oh, wow. Thank you, Pastor Roger. Appreciate that. One of the many things we prayed about and probably we spent the most time praying about was you, Micah. Oh, I know. We were praying, we were praying like, hey, how, how, <laughs> so praise God. <laughs> praise Amen. God. You remember we were, I, I just remember specifically, we were talking about that, you know, and I said, so this person in your future, you know, who should she be? What should she look like? What are her qualities? You know, and we went through this list and I mean, it was like a lineup and, you know, God gave her to you. God gave her to you and Micah. So uh, it was exciting to be a part of that and to watch that. Remember the car you, you were going to trade cars and, and uh, we uh, sent you out to a parking lot to drive through and see what cars you liked. And then you picked out one and stole it. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So but, the getaway car, I guess. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's too fun. Well, we are so thrilled to have you here. And we just for the person who may not know who you are or your story, would you just be willing to give us a, a grand scheme of like what does your life look like and just start sharing just parts of your story that have led you to where you are today, Pastor Roger? Well, I was raised in uh, western Nebraska uh, on a farm. I was a farm boy and uh loved the farm dearly. And, uh, but then I had a bout with cancer when I was 23, nearly died was through that process. And uh, we were raised in the church also all the time. I, I, I don't remember not being in church. So God's been very near and dear to me. And uh, I remember through, you know, the tough times, how he was always there for me. And it wasn't much long after that bout with cancer, he tapped me on the shoulder and called me into ministry. Wow. And so I finished up and uh, got my credentials and became a pastor and uh, wound up pastoring into a couple, three churches, uh, always as an associate pastor. I've always come alongside leaders. That seems to be the calling that God has given me. And, you know, every uh, Moses needs an Aaron. And so that was kind of been what my role in life. And I still do that today. I come alongside of leaders and help them get from where they are to where they want to be. It's been a joy and a delight. Uh, I married my wife, my high, uh, college sweetheart, Anne. Uh, we married, we have two daughters, married daughters, and uh, we have eight grandchildren. And we, uh, we feel so blessed and they're all pretty grown. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting journey that we've been on. So pastoring led me to development work at North Central University. And uh, I joined the team there in 1984 as vice president of development. So uh, fundraising, public relations, church relations, that was all a part of my job. And so obviously I had to learn how to do that. When I, I got there, I really didn't know what I was doing. Like most of us, our first job, we wondered, now what do I do? You know, I got the job. Now, now what am I going to do? And so learned a lot and uh, was it was an exciting journey. I always felt that all the work that I did at North Central, I, I uh, 
with all the students, thousands of students that we invested in that were called to ministry and to pastoring or whatever it might be, or ministry in the marketplace, wherever it was, I always felt that I had just a little bit of a vested interest in every one of them. Mm. And so that made it worthwhile. That's what got me up in the morning was the fact that we've got students, we've got faculty we need to support, we've got utilities, we've got bills, we've got capital projects, and that all requires funding. Anytime we do something that has value, it's good. there's a price tag that's normally involved with that. And so underwriting that I think is the important part of it. So 1984, I went to uh, the National Office of the Assemblies of God. I stayed in Minneapolis, but uh, we started a company called Master Plan Stewardship Services where we help pastors who had no help raising money for their churches. And uh, we had 12 consultants and we, uh, uh, that I worked with and trained and we, uh, we raised you know, a, a lot of money uh, toward for ministry. And so that was, uh, and then 08 and 09, the economy went south and people weren't building churches. And so that kind of cooled. And we went back on, on staff on a team at uh, Cedar Valley Church in Minneapolis uh, for the next five years. And so uh, since that time, uh, I retired supposedly. And so since that time, uh, I just told the Lord, if there's somebody I can help, have them call, just have them call. And my phone began to light up. And so wow. I've been doing some coaching and consulting, mentoring. And so uh, I really love watching people have aha moments and to see them discover who they are and to maximize their lives for Christ. And so that's, that's a little bit of my story, I guess, in a flyover real quick. For sure. And we want to dive into the dream of the listener. If you're listening today, I believe that God's the dream giver and he's placed dreams, maybe even dreams plurally in your heart. And the thing about dreams is the ones that are worthwhile, they have a cost. And we never want money to be a reason why you can't accomplish the dream and to, to be obedient with stewardship right. that way. And, and we'll dive into that in just a second. But before we do, I just think this is a fun thing that um, you shared with me over the course of time. And that was, there's a, a few things that you believe, Roger, that every leader can do to succeed. Yes. What are, what are those things? These are, these are pure gold. Are, these are four things that uh, really can help us help us all find our way. Number one is be on time. Uh, always be respectful of the time of others. Number two, uh, be on time. Do what you say you're going to do. And so uh, when you give your word or whatever you plan to do, put it down and make sure you're able to follow through with it. And that uh, when you do that, you, you write it or you jog your memory with a, a note, a personal note. You, you remember that you made a promise to somebody and you want to be a promise keeper. And so that's important. The next piece is when you start a project, finish it, finish what you start. I think it's important and imperative. You know, there's so many projects that are left undone, so much success that's been left on the table because somebody got distracted, pulled away, went down a, a bunny trail and started changing changing course and never finished what they had started. So if, if it was important enough to start, it's important enough to finish. And then the last one is say, please and thank you. Remember, there are people in your life that have helped you to get to where you are. And we always want to be respectful and to say thank you. And uh, 
all four of those things we like to do and we like to see happening as we deal with our friends. So those would be the four things that, uh, that kind of jump out at me of, of what we need to do. Four things I think definitely work on anybody's character, whether yeah. it's one or all. I think they're all very important and crucial um, when it comes to who we are and who we say that we are and what we say we're going to follow through on. And we know that you've you've coached missionaries pastors, nonprofits, and churches to raise money to fund missions God's way and the mission that God has laid on their hearts in that process. Can you describe God's desire for generosity? In the back, it says generosity inspires generosity on your wall. So I just got to yeah. say that generosity seems to be a theme right there. <laughs> well, it, uh, you know, anything, uh, everything we do, we should always, you know, God is willing to let us go it alone. But uh, God loves partnerships. God loves to provide for his people. God has the resources. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold under those hills. So money is not a problem. <clears throat> I've raised over $400 million for ministry. Say that again. Say that again. I've raised over $400 million for ministry. <laughs> and uh, I'm just a farm boy from the country. So the, the interesting part here is that God can use anyone. And so when you have a heart and you want a partnership with God, God will help you find your way and to move things forward. And so any, any success, anything that I have, glory to God, because uh, he's the reason that uh, these things happen and it's the partnership. So generosity is management of your time, your talent, your treasure, your encouragement, and your wisdom. Those are all things that we have that we can give and we can share with other people. How we manage those things, do we want to hold them to ourselves or do we want to spread the love, as they say, and share that what we've learned with others? Uh, everybody's had something in their life that uh, they, we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. uh, that experience really come to light in my own father who had an eighth grade education. He became an executive with a fertilizer company and he ran several, had like 200 employees and it was a very big operation. And I asked my dad, I said, how dad in the world did, were you able to get to where you are? He said, well, he said, you know, it's been, it was a, it's very simple. I only had an eighth grade education. And he said, I had to go on, go to school on the lives of others. And I said, well, how did you do that? He said, I asked a lot of questions and I asked people if they would help me. Wow. And so I think that he said, if you want help, you ask for it. And he said, uh, the other part of it is the God thing where God shows up. And when God shows up, great things happen. And so always give God the glory for anything that you've succeeded on, but never be afraid because all God's creation belongs to him. And he knows exactly the right person that can help you take an experience that their experience will match up with your experience. They have been where you want to go. And so always rely on that because it'll be a great help to you in your life. Gosh. And here's the thing. I, I just, the words jumped out at me, what you said, Roger, where God is not short on money. He has the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. And, and you've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. You've seen hundreds, if not thousands of kingdom projects that looked impossible, that yeah. scared the leader, 
And yet God, God had the resources and then some. And so my prayer is that today the listener would just have and allow God to build faith in their heart. Maybe they had a dream that's been delayed or it's been on the shelf, but for that leader who, who has a dream on their heart, maybe it's the fear of rejection. I've been there. Maybe it's a fear of what others might think. Um, but it's caused the hesitancy for asking for money. What would you say to that person? Well, I think the the big thing is to center yourself with the Lord, first of all, before you even start these projects. Uh, we have in my book, I write the story out in, in layman's terms for me about Hezekiah and how Hezekiah had a responsibility. He had a job to do. And I mean, all the odds were against this guy. I mean, every, every turn that he took, he was meeting opposition. And so, but he knew that he knew that he knew. And in his heart of hearts, the Lord had called him to rebuilding that wall and those gates. And so when God calls us, God's, uh, God's going to supply and he's going to make those things happen. So I have another little formula you might want to write down. This yes. is something number one is pray. So the first thing we do when we have a project for funding is pray. Lord, this is your project. This is a project that needs funding. Here's why. Here's why I believe in it. And here's why I feel you've called me to it. And Lord, your word says that we'll not lack no supply when we are walking hand in hand with you. When our project is your project, we find that God is right there with us and he is going to be the provider. He'll resource it and he'll make it happen. So pray, in other words, and then when you pray, then the next thing to do is to listen. Listen to the Lord because the Lord will give you some wisdom and some next steps to take as you move forward. How much money you should raise, who you could talk to, how you're going to present yourself how to write a vision statement for your project to define it. People always, you know, more and more uh, contributors and donors are, are more and more sophisticated. They want to know where their funds are going. Sure. And so by defining that, uh, they can see, oh, well, you have a plan. You have, a, you have direction. You know where you're going. You have a mission statement. And so those two pieces are going to be something that's going to greatly help you in carrying it through. So pray, listen, and then obey. You know, and obedience is the can be the tough one because, uh, you know, as they say, talk is cheap. You know, well, I said, yeah, and I didn't know what I was getting into. But honestly, start the journey and then begin and, and you watch what God will do. And then that's the last W is watch. Watch God do a miracle in your life and in your giving. So if you look at that, that's an acrostic for plow, P-L-O-W. That's my farm thing coming back up. Sorry about that. I love it. Pray, listen, obey, and watch God do a miracle in your ministry and in your life. So that would be, did I answer that? Yes. Well enough for that. Did that yes. cover that question? I'm, I hope I did. You did. And which kind of leads me to the next question is, with raising $400 million and coming along thousands of people in your experience and in the journey that God has given you that passion to come alongside and be the Aaron to help hold up the arms of the people who may seem like the Moses or the leader. Do you want to share any miracle? Would you be willing to share maybe one miracle story of God's provision with our audience today? 
Yeah, we've had, you know, there have been so many and so many stories to watch God's provision. I think the stories, I can get emotional about them. When I think about it, I had a young couple, I was working a campaign in California, helping them happen at church, and they were on our leadership team for that. And uh, I, I was, I was, uh, I was just kind of amazed. We, we always asked the leaders to go first. First uh, Chronicles 29, when David was building a temple for the Lord, David gave his gift first. Then he went to his generals, the lieutenants, and eventually the soldiers, and then the children of Israel. And there was plenty, but there has to be an example of leadership to make those projects go. Well, this young couple were there. And so I had asked everybody on the leadership team to give a suggestion of where they felt they were in their commitment at this time. At that time, it was three-year commitments. And uh, we would be adding those all together to create momentum and encouragement for the rest of the church. And they hand them all to me. And then I tally them and I come back and I tell the group what they were going to give. And I got this note and on their, on their commitment card that they had written, they had written a hundred thousand dollars. And wow. I thought, this is a mistake. They meant $10,000 or they meant $1,000. And you know how your mind kind of right. rambles along. And so in my own mind, I was doubting like, like, like this can't be right. So I went over and I tapped one of them on the shoulder and I said, can I talk to you? So they come out and I said, did you intend to put $100,000 down on this? And they said, yes, absolutely. That's our commitment. We prayed, we listened, we've We've obeyed and we're following through with what God has told us to do. I said, well, that's amazing. I am overwhelmed by your faith and everything. And uh, they said, you know, we have been saving for a car and a van. We have three small ch smaller children. We wanted to get a van. And there are some things we were saving for to put it on our house. And so we had budgeted, you know, all of the things we wanted to do, pay our mortgage down. And so we were going to use that 100000 for that. But we really felt after praying that God wanted us to redirect that to God's project and to help that to put funding. I saw those people before we had our commitment weekend. They came up to me with tears and I said, what's up? And they said, you won't believe what happened. She said, the gal says, I've been estranged from my dad and my mother. They just kind of pushed me to the side and pushed me to the back of the family and uh, they have grand, three grandkids and they'd never seen them before. And she said, uh, out of the blue, we had, we had, they showed up at our door and they came in and they said, we are so sorry for the way that we've treated you. And we feel so badly about that. And, you know, it, it's too late to make amends, but at the same time, would, would you forgive us? They had had a change of heart, obviously. And uh, they said, we we want you to we we would like to give you a gift if you go down to the dealership down on the corner the honda dealership and pick out the uh, a car that you would like to have anything that you want on the lot you buy it we have paid for it and so through their obedience god had provided the transportation they needed for their family but she said, you know, the biggest thing was I got my parents back. Wow. So when we make a commitment, we never know where it's going, how we're going to be blessed and in what ways we'll be blessed. So that would probably be one of the stories that kind of pops to the top of the list. 
Wow. I love it. I love those testimonies. And again, I, I pray that like my, I've never heard that story. So my heart's filled with faith, just knowing what can happen when we plow, right? The pray, <laughs> listen, obey, watch. And I mean, my story is one where I was on staff at a church. We had gotten married. We felt the call to ministry together. And I was a bit intimidated. That might be a understatement, <laughs> but I felt overwhelmed by the thought of becoming a missionary. And we're campus missionaries. We work with Chi Alpha. And uh, I remember we sat down and your wisdom and insight that we want to draw on in a second you helped me just break it down and realize God's always provided. He's mm-hmm. never stopped providing. And you shared some helpful things like, well, maybe put together an A list, B list, C list of just, you know, people that, you know, people that you could mm-hmm. get together with and, and schedule meetings and raise support. And so I'm thinking that because of maybe s- some of the people who tune in, they're young leaders. Some of them are leading Chi Alpha ministries mm-hmm. or a campus ministry. They might be missionaries they might feel like, Hey, I need to start a 501 C three for this dream or this vision or whatever, Mm -hmm. but how can leaders raise money God's way? And, you know, how can they truly obey and take that first step of faith that maybe God's asking them to pioneer with their ministry? I think the first thing is the fact is that we we share or we, it's not a confession, but we share the dream with somebody who's close to us and uh, can really help to guide us and to serve as an advisor to us. You know, everybody needs a coach. And so uh, somebody in your life is, has spoken into your life before. Find that person, run that dream up the flagpole and just say, this is something that's been planted in my heart. I, I just want to know, am I crazy? Did I have too much pizza last night or what's going on here? And uh, let the Lord uh, speak through that person to you. Wow. Uh, first of all, you have to have had established trust with that person to where, you know, they have history with you and you're going to be able to make that work. But then, you know, you want to tell your story. And so then you, you in essence, you're kind of going public when you talk to them. And then I always find that I, I, I look for a group of three to five individuals that can serve, that can surround me in prayer or surround a leader in prayer, that they can all pick up the torch of this ministry. And really, uh, they're all going to be errands to the Moses of the, of the ministry. And so we all need that kind of support because they're going to come with various gifts and abilities, and they're going to be able to help you get where you want to go. So the object is you want to get buy-in from a handful mm. and then, then you move out, you know, Christ had three that he loved dearly. He then had the 12 and then he had many. And so mm-hmm. then you grow into the many and I, I th- the many people, I think that's what we're trying to say. So that would be one of the things that I would suggest. And then also put it in writing. Yeah. Uh, that's the big thing. Sometimes uh, I've heard people share a vision and, uh, twice in the same day it changed or it modified and whatever. So putting it in writing lets you see it. And when you see it, it can help you to hold your thoughts to it as to what the Lord has given you. And so you want to make sure you're spot on. 
And then the idea is remaining consistent with that vision. I mean, it can move a little left or right, but not a big swing. When it's a big swing, people say, well, does this person really know what they're doing? And so I think laying the groundwork first and foremost about what is it, and we call it the who, what, why, when, where, and the how much of what we want to do. For us to do this, we're going to need $5,000 a month to be able to sustain ourselves. It could be $10,000 a month. And so I've worked with people that needed more than that. And so, but whatever it is, scripture tells us to count the cost. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take resources. And so you don't want to start building something that you can't finish. Back to Hezekiah. He went around and he laid the groundwork. He put the pieces together before he ever started to repair the wall. And so I think the thing of it is lay, chart the course, lay it out, and then follow your plan. And I think you're going to find yourself to be successful. And don't be afraid to ask for help. My dad, with an eighth grade education, asked for help, and it took him in amazing directions. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Well, one more question before we go into the five and five, but Pastor Roger, thank you so much for sharing some of those techniques and tidbits for the listeners today of things that they can begin to do as they're dreaming and moving things forward in their prayer life, as well as what it, as well as in what God is wanting them to do. But the last question I have here before we do five and five is why do you believe young adult ministry is important? You know, I, I wrote down a few things that I that I really believe about the young adult ministry that I think is just so important. And and uh, number one is it's an upcoming generation of leaders that, you know, they're going to they're you know, we used to call them the, the they're the future church or they're the, they're now. And I mean, they are here yeah. now and they I mean, there's no startup. They're here. They've been placed. And so this is the upcoming generation of leaders. And they all need to be equipped and empowered to the best of our ability. Put the best tools we possibly can in their hands to help them reach their best best potential in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things which you have heard among many witnesses and trust to others who can teach others also. So we want to develop a multiplier. And so by creating relationships and by building and bonding and helping to coach and be encouragers to those that we serve with, we can help to build that and to make that happen. And then young adults have so many tools at their disposal now today. I mean, I feel like a dinosaur right now because of how, how technology and social media has just launched. Uh, it's unprecedented, the opportunity that is before them. And so I think to help them take advantage of those opportunities is with technology and social media, anything that we can do to put uh, you know tools in their toolbox is just going to really make it even better. So I think this is the opportune time. I think that the time has come. I think there's there's a there's a, a world there's a in my opinion I don't know that this is a fact, but it seems like the young adults that I see they're either there's they're either in or they're out. It seems it seems like they have relationship and they're growing and they're flourishing, or it seems like they're struggling and they're on the outside looking in. And we want to create, we want to be able to create that spotlight that helps put them on the inside looking out, not guessing what's going on on the inside. 
Oh my gosh, such a powerful picture. I, I just picture maybe a house or a church that extends the porch, you know, it extends the, the welcome mat and we want you here. And, you know, when, when we do that, people do get to come in and taste the goodness of God and then yeah. see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, and Roger, we've reached one of the points in our conversation that we love to just tap into your wisdom and depth and substance. And if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Uh, encourager, uh, coach and discipler, and then sage. And sage is another word for an old dog that uh, is willing to help younger ones make it whenever they can. Well, we're thankful for specifically that last one even more so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. All right. Question number two. Um, who has been a mentor, a leader, or a pastor that has invested in your life personally? Um, Fred Bevins was my junior boys Sunday school teacher while I was growing up. And he took us, he spent time with us. Uh, his kids were grown, but he always showed up. He always called us the night on Saturday night to tell us he was looking forward to seeing us at Sunday school the next morning. And uh, we would have activities where he, he taught me how to water ski. He had a boat. He would take our, our junior high boys out and yes. have picnics. And he'd take us ice skating. And he treated like us like sons. And so Fred, uh, was a was an amazing teacher and I'll never forget him. And then the other one would be Dale Stamen. When I was on the farm, I was in 4-H and I showed livestock at the at the fair. And and he was somebody, again, he'd come over, he would take time, he would talk to me about animal husbandry and how to take care of animals and how to show them. And uh, he mm -hmm. was a, a, a strong Methodist man who had a faith but he was very quiet in his spirit. He was a, a rancher. And uh, so it was just a whole different different spirit that, that was a part of that. And then I have, excuse me, one more, and that would be my, my eighth grade teacher who was uh, Larry Wilson. And he taught me a lot about uh, uh, economics uh, in, in, my, in my class. I went to a country school. And so we would have these this opening class where I sat in a classroom with the seventh graders and the eighth graders. I was in the seventh and there were eighth graders on half of the room and we were on the other half. And he would talk about current events. And sometimes we could get him going. We'd just start throwing questions at him and he'd just answer them. And he loved to do that. But about the time the morning was half over, he realized he'd missed two classes already. So, but he was somebody who, uh, who really, honestly, I just learned a lot of practical stuff. He was a reader. He loved to read and uh, he was always up on it. So those three guys, and then of course my father and mother. That's so fun. All right. Question number three, if you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, Pastor Roger, what would that be? What are your greatest challenges in raising resources for your own ministry? Oh man. You want to go first? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the number one that comes to mind is internal, meaning I'm pointing at my head. I'm pointing right here to my mind, because whether it's, I talked about earlier in the episode conversation, like the initial hesitancy or fear of, okay, we need to raise money, but what if, what if they say no, or what if we're not friends anymore? And that's, 
you know, that the, the second one of we're not friends anymore, that's completely obnoxious, but <laughs> well, maybe believing a lie or, or kind of where I'm, what I'm trying to describe mm-hmm. is just thought life. So I think for me, at least um, the first one, and then I think the second is, um, you know, as far as raising resources, finances for the ministry, I would say the second is, um, mm. you know, I'm thinking deeply here. Um, <laughs> I think the second would be having kind of clarity around what is this going for? If it's more project-based, that's really simple. This is how much this is going to cost. And okay, would you like to be involved? It's the vision and the need. But I think that as ministry goes on, whether it's monthly support or whether it's just Mm -hmm. our needs, like right now we're in a season where our family has increased by two kids within the last less than two years. So I think the growing size of our family Mm -hmm. or the growing expenses like that has at times been a challenge, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah, what would you say? I would just kind of add on to that. I wrote that, I wrote down what I was going to say while you were saying what you were said. And it's making personal needs be known, not for like the ministry needs of like, oh, like we'd love to scholarship X amount of students. I think outside the ministry, we're doing a ministry budget, but then we're doing our personal salary budget. So it's two different forms of budgeting that's taking place. And I think that it's hard to like, okay, what is ministry? What comes out of our pocket kind of type thing? And what comes out of a set aside ministry for the young adults, for an event, for scholarships, for retreats and all those different things. So I think for, for me personally, it it is an internal ballot battle as well as like, okay, well, we need a van. We'd love a van um, to have two kids to be able to travel and do what we need to do. You think about pack and plays, you think about strollers they are both in diapers right now. You're like, going through all the things like space is a requirement instead of the vehicles that we have. So I think like, well, what would people think if we did get X, Y, or Z, you know, and then it's the comparison of people's outward observations of a family in ministry, (laughs) if that makes any sense. (laughs) Oh, well, that's where my money went to get a vehicle for them. Like, I think that's maybe an irrational fear, but I'm like, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard people make comments about other things. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what do they think about us? <laughs> or what would they think about us? <laughs> well, but, you know, you have to, you know, I had a, a friend that you got, you know, very, very dearly. And uh, he told me, he said, I can never raise money for Chi Alpha, which is a student ministry. He said, because I just can't raise, raise money for myself. I, I really feel guilty about that. And he said, you have to understand this is a this is an umbrella right. of a budget that takes care of all the needs and you know without the leaders being there and mm-hmm. the heart and the drive and the energy and the encouragement it's the dynamite that sets this thing on fire and gets it going and without that there that's one of the biggest missing links mm-hmm. and you're not asking for yourself you're asking for those students that you want to bless and encourage mm-hmm. and to help them find their way right. and so i think that you know and then the big deal is that you really have to believe in it you know and and if it's something uh you have to go for it you put god put it in your heart i've just heard you say it uh, Micah, and if God put it in your heart, you know, you need to take it to the Lord and you guys need to start driving that truck. I mean, you know, get everybody on the bus. And, uh, and if you believe, if you don't believe in it, why should I, 
Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you believe in it, I might believe in it. But if you don't, I know I won't. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. So, but that, I think that's really what's happened. So, but that's a good answer. Both of you. That's cool. Uh, back to you, Pastor Roger. Would you be willing to tell us this question, by the way, this is kind of like the take back, the do over question. If you could do anything over again, what would you do? And we ask it mm. because sometimes whether it's failure or mistakes, we can learn from them. So is there maybe a failure or embarrassing moment that you've experienced in life or ministry leadership that you'd be willing to share with us? You know, I really have none because because I've had this perfect life. And uh, so, not. <laughs> no, I mean, everybody has bumps in the road, you know, yeah. when you hit your head against the wall. And, and uh, I think, I think back that uh, there were, there were various times I felt the Lord leading me to another area of ministry at, and actually like a transfer from one church to another. And, uh, and I think I had some frustrations and through those frustrations, it impacted my reasoning. Mm. I, I didn't listen to counsel. I didn't talk to people that I trusted and I went it alone. And so when I did that, uh, I found myself, you know, unemployed for about four months. And it was through that experience. And I think you have to go through some of this stuff, the hard knocks and the bumps in order to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and move ahead and I don't believe for one minute that God ever took or lifted his calling off my life. Wow. I do believe that he gave me a respite that allowed me to rejuvenate my heart, my spirit, my mind. And I think that it was in the end, it was good, mm -hmm. but it was very uncomfortable to go through. And so, but we had just had enough funds to be able to sustain ourselves, to make it. And I didn't work for four months while I was rejuvenating. And I was, I'm so grateful for that. But the way it happened was it was kind of like I was running. And, uh, and so there again, if I'd have had more people surrounding me at that time that could have spoken into my life, probably could have saved me that experience. And there probably were maybe better solutions. It worked out okay, but it was, uh, it was a hard, it was a hard deal. All right. Well, thank you for going there and sharing that Definitely. being vulnerable with us and our listeners. And just to wrap things up, we have the last question of five and five. And if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, what would you leave them with today? I want you to, I want you to believe and to know there are more resources in circulation right now than ever in the history of the world. Wow. We do not have a money problem. We have a partnership problem and we have a relationship challenge. And, but there, I've never seen more money. I mean, people are giving in large amounts to big, very big projects. And there's just, there's just a lot of money out there. Mm -hmm. And with the pandemic, people were even saving during that time and not spend, where are you going to go? I mean, yeah. so they were... And so there, there were, you know, I think people were socking away money. If you look around your neighborhood, you see remodeling projects going, new windows, new this, new that. Well, that's where some of that's coming from. And there's just a lot of people that uh, I think there's, that there are plenty of resources. God is unlimited in being able to meet the needs of your organization. And 
if you believe in it uh, and God is with you and and you're together on that, man, you're a, you're a, an amazing partnership. And hang in there and go for it and go for the gold. Good. You know, Roger, there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for, especially from you. And one of them is what you've taught me is we never want money to be the reason that we can't do what God's asked us to do. And so thank you for your willingness to invest your your Mm -hmm. wisdom and your time and for the great conversation today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Could I pray with you before we go? Of course. Lord, I just thank you so much for the young adults, Lord, and, and young adult ministry and how important it is. And these two choice servants of you that are working hard to be able to make a difference in the lives of others. I pray blessing and favor over them that you will bless their ministry. You will give them the desires of their hearts as it relates to help it to equip and empower them to equip and empower others. Give them what they need in in travel and transportation and what they need, Lord, for cost of living for their increased budget, Lord. I just pray a special blessing over now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You too. you too. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.